Hello and welcome to the Virtually Confident Podcast with me, Esther Stanhope, the Impact Guru. This is the podcast where you're going to take away tips on how to be more confident. Can you learn to be confident? Well, my friend Kim Arnold has written a book called Email Attraction. And does an email reflect your confidence? Let's find out. So now I have... The person who can make words work better than anyone I've ever met in my life. She is a Cambridge grad. She got an MA from Cambridge. She speaks Russian. She speaks German. She's even worked with Al Gore. She works with FTSE 250 organisations. And she's written a book called Email Attraction. And it's all about getting your emails read. Well, getting them opened first and then getting them read and then acted upon is that the right english kim help me out welcome kim arnold <laughs> thank so you Esther. is that right acted upon see i can't speak english now absolutely absolutely acted upon open <laughs> red get someone to finally do the damn thing that's that's what we we night say kim arnold welcome to virtually confident my podcast all about feeling confident losing confidence finding confidence and then and then giving people advice about how to be more confident if it's possible. But first of all, we're post-COVID, we're PC, post-COVID. Um, how confident are you feeling having been tucked away for nearly a year? <laughs> well, it, it, this is an evergreen podcast, but you know, in, we all had a bit of a confidence bashing, didn't we? Oh, we did. I feel like I'm, I'm sort of a bear emerging from hibernation after the winter months, sort of slowly blinking into the sunlight. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a, a roller coaster. I think. We, you know, when we've been so um, removed from people who are, are sort of our checker normally, they're our check and balance, aren't they? for how am I feeling? How are they feeling? And when we're so removed, we get in our heads. And um, I think it can be very hard. Your confidence levels, one minute you're up, one minute you're down. It's been a bit of a roller coaster. I've certainly felt that. I know this is so funny because we're actually sitting in the same studio looking at each other. And it's suddenly, <laughs> do you find this a bit weird? Like actually having a human being, we don't have to look at a camera. I'm thinking, where's the camera? No, she's sitting there. I'm feeling a bit shy today, <laughs> Esther, I know, actually. I'm feeling a bit shy. <laughs> I actually do feel a bit shy. Like, oh no. And also because I know that you're so good at English and grammar and spelling. And, and, I, and I think, oh no, I need help with my grammar. Um, but we're going to talk about writing and books we and, will, and, we and will. emails and grammar. Oh no, you might tell me off of my spelling mistakes but uh, <laughs> but um first of all though i mean we we've, we've had to do a lot of zoom teams yeah. be on screen and obviously i'm i'm from the bbc so people thought well, i remember you telling me at the very beginning of when we first started working virtually God, Esther, this is your lane. Yes. This is your world. Haven't you done this for so long? I know, know, but as a producer, I mean, I've done, I have done gazillions of webinars in the past, Mm. but I never really liked it. Yeah. I didn't feel confident. Kim, I will just admit to you, I didn't feel confident on camera. Because, you know, I wrote my book, Goodbye Glossophobia, because of the public speaking. I didn't feel confident public speaking before I started doing it as a profession. Yep, there's something in that, that? though, isn't it? (laughs) Um, and then you said, this is your lane, get in front of the camera and help people. Because I used to, uh, the BBC, obviously, I've helped many, many people be confident on camera. But how confident do you feel about the little lens? Oh, my goodness. Well, the first time I did a sort of webinar online was about five years ago. And I remember I was doing it from home. And I had about 60 people signed up to, to attend this webinar. And... Um, 
I have never been so nervous. I'm quite a confident public speaker in person, but something about that added stress of tech sent me into a spin, an absolute spin. I remember sitting there and I was sweating, sweating <laughs> through my, my shirt. My hands were like slippery. And two minutes before, and I was I was at home because I, I always work from home. And um, two minutes before I was due to start, the neighbor's dog started howling. I'm in a terraced house <laughs> and it was through the through the um the walls all you could hear was <laughs> So with seconds to spare I had to grab my kit, run into a different room, set up and I remember when I when I sort of let people into the virtual room I could still see the beads of sweat on my forehead <laughs> and my voice was trembling through the first few minutes and when I when I look back on that and I still have the recording, it does make me want to crawl under the table when I when I see it. You know, the nerves were so apparent, quite sort of monotone in the way I delivered the information, very st- you know stuck to a script, and it's very clear I'm reading it. So um, I think I've come a long way since then with with confidence, definitely. Um, practice. I think it's just the only way Um, and just trying to be a bit better each time. But I still feel the nerves. I still feel the nerves every time I present online. I think that the tech still freaks me out, Um, (laughs) if I'm honest, you know, that worry that something's going to go wrong. Um, But practice does help, I think, with the nerves. I can't believe you've kept that recording. Oh, yeah. you keep it? Is it because you're gonna? I'm a masochist. Yeah, you're gonna like torture yourself. Like, let me just. This is this is you. Like, let me just go back into my my filing cabinet of all of my failures and how I hate myself so much. I really, I still hate watching myself back. Yeah. I hate watching myself. I'm so critical of myself. Mm. I can't get over that one, actually. I do watch myself back because I have to edit myself. But one of the reasons I didn't become a TV presenter when I was producing shows on TV was because I used to, get, when, when I actually did present a film show once, I used to go to the edit room and just put loads of pictures over my face. Like, <laughs> put cutaways. So I'll have Mel Gibson on that one. I'll just put any old cutaway of the film. Just put the credits on it. So, and I, so and I ended up doing a voiceover. Oh <laughs> I ended up not even filming and just voicing it. Wow. So wow. Um, That's so funny. But you gave me some great advice actually in one of your amazing videos that you did. And, and it was about sort of watching yourself over and over and over again. And I took that advice. And there is something about this, kind of, it's like aversion therapy. It's like if you're afraid of snakes, you know, and if you, they, they do that, you know, first you have to look at a picture of the snake, don't you? And then um, you might be in the same room as a snake and then you get closer and closer and then finally you're touching the snake. It's a bit like that, I think, when you're watching yourself. I've made myself watch myself and... It's painful and I want to crawl under the table still every time, but it's much better than it was. So you, that was a great tip from you, Esther. I can't believe I'm, tell, I'm, telling, I'm telling you to watch yourself back. I have watched myself back because I've had to because of editing. But yeah, my tip is watch yourself back three times. Mm. The first time, allow yourself to hate yourself. Yeah. Just get over it. Just throw, throw rotten tomatoes at your laptop or whatever and just go, oh, I'm so awful. I hate that top. Look at me. Look at yeah. my horrible shoulders. They're so hunched. Oh my goodness, <laughs> my chin is double. Oh. Um, and then the second time, actually think, mm, what's the message? And actually think, like, pick it apart and be critically more constructive but you know critically looking at it and the third time just get a cup of tea and watch it like tv yeah and actually you do find yourself watching it like a tv yes and if you can watch yourself as if you're watching telly 
That's a good sign. <laughs> and that's how other people see you, right? That's They're not pulling apart every word. No, not, I know. Not like you are. That's so funny. Yeah. So let's talk about confidence, but then let's relate it to your lovely book. You, My you know, book, yeah, Email book. Attraction. Right, it's a bright yellow book called Email Attraction. And then it's such a cute little book. It's got really cute little um, pictures in it as well as really good nuggets of information and nuggets and tips. And there's three good action points for each chapter. And it's all about emails. It is. It's getting your emails read. It's got email bloopers in it. We probably can't, we can't repeat them, but I'm going to give you a tiny inkling of some of the email bloopers that came after your launch party that I helped. <laughs> I, I, co- I co-presented, I, I emceed the launch party and um, people were sharing their email bloopers. I mean, I'm sure we've all seen it dodgy emails as in spelling mistakes people are left on the on the on the stream of emails below and they've slagged somebody off that they shouldn't have been slagging off but one woman <laughs> oh god i can't say, i'm just going to explain it i'm not going to say it because it's too rude one woman sent us both an email and said i couldn't put this in public but there was a junior lawyer had had written to the client we are we are over the, we are delighted to be assisting you on this matter but somehow she had managed to put an f after the double S in the word assisting. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to say anything else. Was, and I just... That was the best, worst the blooper I have ever heard. And we'd heard a lot, right, on that. On that. Oh, Can you imagine that trainee went down in history? I mean, wow. So just imagine an F after the double S. No, that's it. That's all I'm going to say. That is just... Oh, that is the worst. And then I had... I'm just getting my dicks in a row. Instead of ducks in a row. That was a real email. And that was on the morning of the launch, wasn't it? Yes. I was like, wow, it just proves there's there's a lot of work to be done with email. So there you are, Kim. You yep. have a book out. You're yes. an author. You're, you're consulting with city clients. So you are at the height of confidence, right? <laughs> well, on a good day, <laughs> I might be for about, you know, an hour or so. I think the thing with confidence is that... that it's not necessarily a steady state, is it? One minute you can be up and one minute you can be down. And I think a lot of people feel like that. I certainly did with my book launch. Um, but there's, there's a, you know, a, still a huge amount of, of imposter syndrome that goes on. Um, and I remember when I was writing the book and I wanted to write it in a way, you know, let's face it, no one ever said, mommy, mommy, when I grow up, I want to write a book about email. You know, it's not, (laughs) it's potentially not the most exciting topic. And I knew I wanted to make it engaging and I want to make it fun and not like one of those dry business books that we've got on our shelves that we haven't read. Because I don't, Esther, have you got a bunch of business books on your shelf you haven't read? Because I know I have. I've got a lot. Yeah. I've (laughs) got a lot of books that I haven't read. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Most of us have. So I wanted something that people will use, that they will dip into, that will be easy to read. You know, you don't have to go through it with a highlighter because it's it's very easy to find the pieces. It's already high lit. It's already (laughs) high lit. Exactly. So I went through this process and I wrote what, you know, I felt was a really fun book. It was, but packed full of tips really useful really actionable and then I got the fear oh I got the fear and I started to worry and all my confidence you know I went through this real roller coaster of emotion oh my goodness it's not serious enough people aren't going to take it seriously what will people think what will they think oh my goodness you know it's gonna it's gonna fall flat as a pancake so what I did was was start to share it with people. And I think this is a really good tip is, is not to live in your own head too much. So I started to share it with people and I started to get some good feedback from people that I respected. So I was like, okay, I think, I think this is good. Um, 
And then eventually um, I, I emailed a um, guy called Drayton Bird who is the world's authority on direct marketing and he writes emails better than anyone ever. He's in his 80s, he's still working, he's an amazing guy. And I said to him, would you review my book, please? And it was the scariest email I've ever written, <laughs> telling someone, an expert on email, that I've written a book about email and doing it in an email and asking him to review my book. It went horribly meta and I was, you know, sweaty palms again. Anyway, he kindly reviewed it, read it that day, wrote and wrote me this amazing testimonial. And I was like, wow, I think I've really got something here. And that gave me the confidence to send it to the FT, who... Um, wrote an amazing review. Go on, what did they say? Go on, go on, go they on. They called it, it engaging and memorable and they said it will make you completely rethink how you churn out emails. So I was absolutely thrilled to bits. They said it will save you time, it will get you results and, and it was a really amazing review. But I wouldn't have done that had I not done these baby steps. So I think a really good tip maybe for the listeners here is is to take those little steps in building your confidence and see who, you know, what sort of little army you can gather around you to build up your confidence. Because actually, this little book that I've written, um, you know, if the FT thinks it's all right, then I think it's all right. And then that gives me more confidence to go out there. And we had a massive book launch with your help. And we had hundreds of people join up. And um, so it's a bit of a snowball effect, I think, trying to get it out there. But it's never a constant. One minute you're up, one minute you're down. And I think that often that means that you're pushing yourself, which is also a good thing. Yeah, I mean, I, I've heard that if you're feeling the fear and doing it anyway, mm-hmm. it's the Susan Jeffers book, you know, that that's quite healthy. You're stretching your comfort zone. Yes. It's good to stretch. If you're, if you're in a state of stretch rather than fear, yes. then it means that you are pushing yourself and you are more likely to achieve something. But you don't always need outside endorsements, though, because if you were worried about only getting outside endorsements, it might stop you from going to the next stage. True. True. Um, yep. So one of the th- we, we we share we had a coach that we shared um, Kim Duke who also used to help me with she helped me with my book yeah and I, I the fear when you said I felt the fear I mean I couldn't even write I literally couldn't write because I can't write I'm semi dyslexic I can write though and what I learned was writing isn't about actual actual grammar and writing words writing is about getting over that fear and just putting it down on paper. It's about connecting with it's, people. It's about ideas. It's about yes, the feeling. angle. You know, and I've worked at the BBC all these years. And I've written cues for the news, but that's all in a formula and it didn't feel like I was really writing. I suppose I was writing because it's writing words with exactly. my fingers, right? Yep. But um, what Kim Duke taught me, and I think, I don't know if she shared this with you as well, is that when you are writing, and, and writing is really, it's really good to relate the confidence, you know, talking about confidence and writing, because mm. writing down anything down doesn't matter how you write it, really is good for your confidence because it just gets whatever's in your head, it gets it out on the page. Yes. It's really helpful. But what Kim taught me was that when you're writing, you're a writer. So allow yourself to be unfiltered. She used to say, write a load of rubbish, write oh, rubbish, yes. just write a flow of absolute baloney, the, the <laughs> biggest load of whatever you can, you know, I can't swear, but you know, just write a load of rubbish down, right? And don't edit, don't edit, because your editor will walk in and then it will, your editor will tell you off. Yes. Your editor will edit it. Oh, edit, edit, you can't edit. say that. can't say that. Yes. No, oh, that's way too tr- trivial, yes. too frivolous. Right, but you can't be a writer and an editor at the same time. And then it, I figured it out. That's writer's block. It is. 
It is writer's block. That's writer's block because you're editing yourself before you're allowing your pen to hit the page. And I realised that nearly my whole life, I suddenly realised it wasn't about writing. I've had writer's block. Yeah. For my life. Absolutely. I think my speaking, everything, I think I held myself back because I was editing before I allowed myself to write the baloney. Yes. Like, you've got to write some baloney, right? You have to. Life is a bit, like, it's a bit rubbish, you know. You've got to try. You've got to give it a go, like your first webinar. Oh, definitely. My first webinar was so bad. I don't yeah. think I actually said anything for the first few seconds because I was like... <laughs> exactly, it goes dry in your mouth, doesn't it? But, you know, there's yeah. that phrase, um, dance like no one's watching. I say write like no one's watching. Just... I didn't know that phrase. Oh, yeah, dance Let's like... Let's do it. Okay, we're yeah. doing it now. <laughs> we're actually doing it. Look, Mikosh is in the studio. Can you see us? We're having we're a little... really cool. Little we're really uncool. <laughs> But yeah, that's how I dance around my kitchen is, you know, dance like no one's watching. Write like no one's watching. Like there's no filter. You know, forget about people. I always tell to people and I, I hear and be interesting to you, you probably get this when people are talking about speaking. But they say to me, I'm not a writer is a phrase that comes up all the time. That's what I say. Like it's a birthright, you know. Like, <laughs> I still say it and I got a book out. <laughs> like, you know, it's on your birth certificate, mother, father, writer, yes or no. Yeah, yeah. But no one, even Hemingway, even, you know, some of the greatest writers, they weren't necessarily born that way. Um, and, I, and I remember, you know, I always relate it back to when I was at school and I thought I was rubbish at art because it didn't come naturally. And I, I remember sitting there and they would say like, oh, draw a person. Well, I had no idea, like, you know, stick figures was about the best I could do. And eventually I got a new teacher who showed me, well, actually, the head needs to be a certain proportion of the body. Um, and if you draw a tree, this is how you could do it. And you could press really hard with the brush. And then if you lighten it up, you can get the branches. And suddenly I was like, huh, uh, it's not that I'm a terrible artist. I just didn't know how to do it. Um, and then when I started practicing, I got better. I'm still not a brilliant artist, but I certainly don't think I'm totally rubbish. And it's the same with writing. It's it's you can learn how to write better, and that's what I wanted to show in the book. Is actually there are certain techniques that you can learn. You're not necessarily born with it, um, but also um, you can if you get the confidence off. It's about not filtering, as you say, and it's about getting a feeling across, an emotion and connecting with people. And it doesn't have to be perfect grammar necessarily, although that helps, um, but it's about <laughs> connecting. And we can all do that, whether we think we're a writer or not. But do you get that with, with people when they're saying, you know, whether they're a speaker or Oh, I can't tell a story. You know, I can't yes, tell a story like they say. Yeah. I say, oh, <laughs> you just... what do you mean you can't tell a story? Yeah. And, and, then you, and if, you're, if you're thinking... I don't, I don't know if I am a storyteller. I'm not. I'm not a natural storyteller. You know, I, I, I don't write scripts. You know, I'm not. I'm not creative. I'm. I'm a data person. <laughs> well, do you know what? Everyone can tell a story, yeah. and I've actually got a really good tip. If you think you can't tell a story, let's just pick a topic, Kim. Just pick any topic, any topic. Just pick one out of the air. Oh, um, frappuccinos. Frappuccinos. Okay, this is your topic. Okay. Frappuccino. Okay. Either, okay, you could think the first time you saw it on a board, have you ever had a Frappuccino? The first time you tasted a Frappuccino, by the way, I think it's a cold coffee. 
I think it is. Is it a cold coffee? It is a cold coffee. Right. Okay, so the, <laughs> let's just say, okay, Frappuccino stroke cold coffee. The first time you ever had cold coffee, just think about that or think about when you've seen it on the board in Starbucks or when somebody might have spilt it or one of your relatives had a Frappuccino on holiday. And just think one moment, your Frappuccino moment, and start the sentence, I remember one time when... Dot, dot, dot. Okay. Have you got one? Have you got a good... No, no, I'm, I'm had, trying to think. I remember, on, I remember one time I was in Corfu. My sister was married to a Greek. And I was a little kid and my sister got married at 18. I remember going to Corfu. I must have been 11 years old. And we sat in a cafe and Spiros was drinking coffee with ice cubes in it. <laughs> and I remember thinking, oh, that looks really nice. Can I try some? I tried it. <laughs> Disgusting. <laughs> and that was my first experience. There you go. That was really, that's yeah, a real story. story. But yeah. It's a real story. Yeah. Anyway, look, we 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 we, we are going off on a on a tangent. <laughs> However, I've learnt that it's okay to go off on a tangent occasionally. Mm-hmm. It's okay to write stuff down. It's okay to speak out loud. You don't have to be perfect. Not have so to Kim have you got an issue with perfectionism? Because <laughs> I used to. I used to think I had to be right and correct before I could share anything. Oh, oh yes. I would say I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> uh, there are aspects um, of my life where I, I'm definitely still a, a perfectionist. But what I've learned, and particularly during the pandemic and trying to f- finish writing my book during a pandemic and launch it during a pandemic... Um, that there are some things that you have to let slide to focus on the important stuff. And um, for me, I knew that the book was so important to me. This is something I really worked so hard on. I wanted it to see the light of day. Um, and so other stuff would just have to fall beside the wayside. Uh, that was a lot of housework. Um, it was... <laughs> Why not? I mean, you're not going to get paid for housework, are you? No one was coming round to the house to see it. So, you know, <laughs> that was great. I've got about a month now until until it opens up to get it. But, you know, it was, it was um, you know, some, some of my social life, or guess we, not that we could do a huge amount of that. And there are certain bits of my work that I pull back on. Um, but I think it's understanding that you can't do everything perfectly. And... For me, it really helps saying, right, I want the book to be as as brilliant as it can be. Um, And there's a fantastic book, actually. I don't know if you've read it, um, by a guy called Tony Crabb, who's a business psychologist. It's called Busy. And he tells the story of um, an Olympic figure skater who um, comes to him and says, like, Tony, I really need your help because... um, I am really fantastic in my career and I can... um, uh, you know, I'm at top of my game as an ice skater, but the rest of my life is is really chaotic and I'm super disorganised in my personal life. And he just turned around to him and said, well, of course, you can't do it all. You cannot do it all. You cannot skate for, you know, 10 hours a day or whatever she was doing and you know, bake cakes and run a perfect home and, you know, see your friends every day. You just can't do it all. And that really struck gold with me. It just hit home that you can't do it all. So it's for me, it's about prioritising and, and just allowing yourself to, to sort of weigh up what's more important. Is it getting stuff done? Or is it getting it done perfectly? And I could, I don't know about your book, 
Esther, you have to tell me in a minute. I could have continued writing that book for the next millennia, I think, um, <laughs> over editing over and over again, tweaking this, moving this, changing a couple of words. But I had to put a stake in the sand. So what's more important to me, getting this book out or tweaking a few words? And I had to just say, right, enough, enough. It's got to go. Out. Were you the same with yours? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 the first thing is... Um, I, I, I can't remember who said it recently. It was, it was an artist said, um, art is never finished, it's just abandoned. Yes, yes <laughs> An art project is never yes. finished. It's never yes. finished. Having worked in live production, that's, that's where I thrive, in the live production space, because it's live, it goes out, the deadline's gone. Yes. Gone, gone, yeah. gone. <laughs> Nothing and you, you can just do. Like, Here's a guest, come in, Boris Johnson, come in, finished. Okay, that was a mm. bit of a horror show. Never mind, next. Oh, look, we'll get, you know, George Clooney's a guest now. Oh, George Clooney, oh, he's in a good mood. Oh, that was a great bit of radio or TV or whatever. Gone, finished, you've had your chance. So it's, I, I actually quite like that deadline mm. that live um, medium because it's like it's like you build up to it it's you live it and then it's finished and that's why I like doing these podcasts yes. as live not edited because you could edit till the cows come home there was one time a quick story one time I was working for a TV channel called Rapture Television and we had this launch party and we were meant to be doing this big we even made this documentary it was called Ministry at the Dome and it was about Ministry of Sound and it was a documentary with a de- with DJs and Carl Cox the DJ yep. anyway we did it with Channel 4 and we had to make this documentary and then we had this big party to launch this this program i was in the edit suite an hour before the party and the editor and the director were like hang on hang on a minute just got to tweak that i was like the party <laughs> Literally, we are showing this, like the TX, which is like the transmission date, but it wasn't transmission, it was the actual showing it in front of hundreds of people live at this party. They wouldn't let me have the tape. Oh, my God. Because you've got to then download the tape from the edit suite, and it takes a, a while... And I said, look, we have to we have to take it as it is. And they were like, no, it's not finished. I said, literally, this is going to be played. So I ordered a dispatch bike because I could see the, the, the clock's ticking. Oh. The clock is, like, is so stressful. Heart, Production is so stressful. About right? it, yeah. Anyway, so I got this dispatch bike. This dispatch bike's arrived waiting outside the edit suite, right? Mm. I said, hang on, we'll be five minutes. I was like, you have to get... And we literally had almost a physical fight. <laughs> I said, you can carry on editing it, but I am taking whatever the version is in the machine now. I need a copy of it because I need to get to this party in seven and a half minutes. Mm -mm -mm. Seriously, we've got to get this out, right? And it was like, the guy never, ever would have released that tape. Yeah. And And it would never have seen the light of day. Actually, that programme might not have ever existed. Exactly. And I say to this to my (laughs) clients all the time, you know, when I'm helping them, their marketing, the personal branding, communication, getting out there, is, is... you can't, if you want to be seen, you have to accept that some things aren't going to be perfect. And if you want to get your message across, it is about repetition and it's about consistency, consistently showing up and being out there. If you wait until everything's perfect, and um, I see this with newsletters all the time, they'll send like, send a newsletter twice a year. And it's a really good newsletter. Beautifully written though. It's beautifully written. No spelling mistake. (laughs) Exactly, no typos in there. But then they disappear for six months and everyone forgets about them. And then it comes back into your inbox six months later and you think, oh, who's this? Yeah. I don't remember. Delete, unsubscribe. So it is about... Ooh, that, oh, that, that's a harsh tip. <laughs> 
<laughs> you have to show up, and and if you show up consistently, you have to sort of expect accept that it's not going to be perfect. So I'm asking all my guests about my theory about if you woke up in the morning and said, "I'm only going to be eighty percent perfect today," mm-hmm. is that a good tip? I think that's a brilliant tip. What do you What do you say to yourself in the morning? Would Would eighty percent be a good one for you? Well, I, I think I think that's amazing. I I love that. I love eighty percent. My um. And I got this from actually from Kim Duke, um, our, our coach who we both work with. She said, um, every morning, just do your best. Sometimes that's shooting the lights out. And other days, it's just getting out of bed. And that, for me, has really changed how I see myself, my confidence. Um, and it is going back to your 80%. It's like, what can I do to be my best today? And there might be so many other factors. It might be, you know, the middle of a pandemic and you're looking after parents or children or, um, you know, you're trying to cover your six-inch dark roots of your hair to go on camera. Maybe that's just me. Um, but there's... <laughs> You and your false eyelashes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> trying to stick on false eyelashes with the camera. So there's so many things that go go wrong and being kind to ourselves. So, so yes, I, I think a few years ago, I would have not at all been happy with the 80%. Um, I have definitely come a long way in that. And I think it's a really important message, particularly for women, to be able to show up more and to show the world who they are and not be afraid of not being perfect all the time. Because quite often, particularly with the high flyers that you work with, Esther, as well, their 80% is could be better than everyone else's 100%. Um, so we, we have to be kind. We have to be kind to ourselves if we want to get the most out of ourselves. Every single high-achieving person I've spoken to and worked with has said, you know, they are... They they're striving to be good enough yeah. rather than perfect, and what one of one of my clients actually said, perfectionism is the enemy, <laughs> and, and I've really it's really stuck with me. But I still find myself um, not allowing myself to be free of wanting to be, and I mean, I'm, and there's no way I'm going to be perfect, but I think I want, I think I kind of want to be perfect, and maybe I know I'm not perfect, so I work even harder to be perfect, because I know I've got to do that spell check, because I know I'm kind of like not very good at spelling and the grammar. Well, I think, I think perfection, perfectionist has been worn as a bit of a badge of honour in the past, hasn't it? You know, it's like the, that um, awful interview question, what's your greatest weakness? And people said, well, my greatest weakness, I think I'm, I'm, a perfectionist. I try, I try too hard. You know, is I think we've we've held it as a badge of honor. Like, oh, it's just me striving to be the best. And actually, maybe I'm a little bit better than other people if we keep sort of sticking to this perfectionism. And um, and I think I was probably one of those people. You know, I, a bit of a badge of honor. This is me. I'm 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 trying harder than anyone else out there. I might not be better, but I'm trying harder. Um, but I see now that actually it stops you from doing the things that you want to do if you cling too hard to it. Yeah, I mean, when you're a busy mum with a couple of kids, we both have two kids. Yep. You know, I've learnt, I've got a really good tip actually about, you know, having more confidence. Cheat. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Tell me Just more. Cheat. Tell me more. <laughs> so, you know, I, I, had a, I had a pie in the freezer that I made. I made homemade pie, homemade pie. But I had a Just Roll pastry on on the free frozen pie that I've made my own pie with just roll pastry. So I cheated with the pastry, right? So I've got this pie in the freezer, oh. chuck it in the oven, right? Oh. So it looks like this beautiful home-cooked pie. Amazing. That I didn't really even do the pastry for. Yeah. And I happened to have made the mix like 
after Christmas, I think it was turkey. <laughs> turkey and ham. And then it's like, look, I made a family meal. <laughs> I took photographs of it and everything. <laughs> look, I made a pie. But actually, you can cheat with, with things like, you know, if you, if you organise yourself to cheat, mm. you really can achieve quite a lot. You can, you can. I, I'm always telling my clients, reuse stuff. You know, yes. if, if you've written a really great blog, don't just put it out there once. You can dice it up, change it, swap the title out, put it on five different platforms. That's okay. Um, we we often put so much pressure on ourselves, don't we? That I have to say something that's original. No one else in the history of the world has ever said it before. <laughs> and I have to say it, you know, better than anyone else in a clearer way. And quite often all we need to do is say something in our own way, with our own voice, with our own funny take on it. You know, Esther, I love reading your emails. Um, every Friday, they, they pop into my inbox and I can hear your voice. So you could say, you could be reciting, you know, write a shopping list in your email, but it would make me smile because it will have exclamation marks and jokes and it will just bring it to life. So I think personality is so important when it comes to confidence building as well. It's just letting that personality shine through. Okay, let's do a roundup of your amazing tips, Kim. Between us, okay, so these are the tips. Yes. Personality shines through, that's good. Yep. Baby steps. Baby steps. Just do something small every day I've put here. Um, I've put here, um, let the housework slide. <laughs> <laughs> Forget perfectionism. Be 80% perfect and don't strive for more than 80% perfection. Practice. So if you, if you don't think you're good at something and you need a skill just keep feeling the fear and doing it anyway like the snake in the room just keep yep. going towards it exposure therapy it's called yes. exposure therapy um learn just get it wrong and then learn yes. learn um and just remember you can't do it all you can't and the final tip is buy kim's book kim arnold <laughs> called email attraction and i actually wrote a six thousand pound email the other day and I got a gig based on the, the, the... It probably was partly because of the email that I read in your book, the heck email, the beginning, middle and end, the hook, yep. the... Explanation. Explanation, and then the... Call to action. The call to action, the CTA. Three and steps. I had a really good three, CTA. And, and that's changed my emails, actually, having a much clearer action. It has changed over the last month since we were talking about it before. Amazing. So, Kim Arnold, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast, on Virtually Confident Podcast. You are such a breath of fresh air and I can't wait to write more emails in your book. <laughs> thank you, <laughs> Esther. You can get Kim's book. Go to kimarnold.co.uk. Yep, absolutely. And you can get it on Amazon as well. Email attraction. Get what you want every time you hit send. Thank you for listening to the Virtually Confident Podcast. This podcast has been produced and recorded by Chatterbox Voices and Alchemy Post. It's also been sponsored by the Speak Like a She-Boss Challenge. Check it out at www.estherstanhope.com.